Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat. While we retell you a thing. Hello, welcome back to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. We've got another great episode for you today. Today we're going to be talking about Russian winter tales. And I know very little about Russia and Russian history, let alone Russian folklore, so I'm really looking forward to this. But I do know one fun thing about Russia, and that is that, Katrina, you were almost arrested in Russia for smuggling antiquities out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind explaining yourself (laughs) to the folks at home? Oh, sure. So I was smuggling antiquities (laughs) and I got caught. (laughs) It makes you sound way cooler than you are and way cooler than the story actually is, but it's still a pretty good story. It is. So basically, a friend of mine, we were in Russia, which I feel like... I feel like I'm always talking about how we're <laughs> every episode you're like, I was in Russia, I was, grew up in Thailand. Oh, I've been to Hawaii. Yeah, I'm like, I've, I've had a super like blessed, bizarre life that included a really a lot of travel before I was like 18, and also a lot of travel, a good amount of travel, like in my adult life too. But so anyway, when my stories start with like, so when I was in another country. I realize when I'm telling these stories that I sound like both really snobby while I'm at the same time feeling deeply insecure about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like in college, I tried really hard to never bring up anywhere I'd ever been like in public uh. <laughs> or if like I met somebody new, I would wait. But then people thought it was really weird when I suddenly would be like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Thailand. And they're like. I've known you for three months. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was with me. I remember being like you, you like introduced yourself. Like I was like, yeah, I'm from Louisiana or whatever. Like, oh, Katrina, like the hurricane in Louisiana. That makes so much sense. And then like three months, you're like, actually, I like hardly lived in Louisiana at all. I basically grew up in Thailand. We're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, these are lies. But so anyway, back to Russia. So I was in Russia, and a friend of mine. We were outside of some an old religious site and there were people who were selling different kind of like odds and ends and stuff on tables and this friend of mine was looking over some of them and his mother collects bibles from around the world and he saw this really old russian bible and he decided he was gonna buy it for his mother because it's like probably like Eastern Orthodox, like Russian Bible. And it was big, beautifully bound. And then also what he grabbed was just this painting of the Virgin Mary holding baby Jesus, but it was on like vellum Uh and it was being held onto like a piece of wood by a, like a metal band. Yeah. And so he bought those two items because he was like, oh, those are really beautiful and I will give them to my mother. And so later when we were getting on a plane to leave the country, his bag was overweight. And I don't know whether it was because we're American or because 
Uh, this is like a rule for everybody in Russia. But like in America, if your bag is overweight, you just like throw some money at the problem because of capitalism. But yeah, just like, oh, it, we'll pay $50 extra. Yeah, but for my what, two p- more pounds. But what they told us when his bag like weighed too much was they were like, no, you have to get rid of your things. Like you have to empty out until it's the right weight. And he's like, can I pay you some money for it? And they were like, absolutely. No, you cannot. And so I had spare weight available in my bag. And so I was like, here, let me take the heaviest thing that you have. And it was that huge Bible. (laughs) So I took like this like massive Bible, put it in my bag. And then we went to get our luggage scanned, our carry on scanned. And when they scanned his bag, the metal from around the painting set off like alarms like they saw it inside of the bag and were like right. what, what is that so they yeah. pulled it out and they're like this is like a hundred like hundreds of year old religious painting where did you get this this is like an antiquity and he was like no i bought it outside of it and they're like no this is a stolen antiquity were you smuggling oh like antiquities and he was like no like i didn't mean to be smuggling antiquities and they were like who else in your group is smuggling antiquities. <laughs> so they opened everyone's bag and I had this, oh like gosh. what turned out to be like, I think it was like a 175 year old Bible. Oh my God. Like in my bag. And <laughs> they were like, Oh my goodness. And I, of course, just immediately threw my friend under the bus and was like, it's his. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only smuggler, not me. He's the only smuggler. And so they took the Bible from me and took him into like a back room and were interrogating him. And they had to um, get like a translator to come out. We thought he was going to miss the plane because they weren't getting the translator out. He ended up having to sign like all this paper saying that like he wouldn't fight an extradition like if they decided to press charges on him. Oh my like gosh. It, like it was serious. Like it was for real. Yeah. Like they were treating us like we were actual like criminals, but they ended up letting him go and nothing like ever came of it because it, it is so apparently a problem that is, has been going on like in Russia is that people will break into these old churches and they'll take these antiquities and then they will sell them to stupid <laughs> who are like oh what's this priceless artifact that i can like throw some rubles at (laughs) (laughs) so that's the story of how i yes was almost arrested (laughs) for antiquity smuggling (laughs) and when it's like oh Oh, and i know it's like fun fact i've heard the story before yeah i've heard the story before but it's like you know i forget the details number one but it's also just like so perfect and I would like to apologize to our chaperone, uh, Mr. Connor Duffy. If you're listening, I deeply apologize for the stress that we put you under. Because <laughs> oh, he, he thought we were all going to be at the American Embassy begging for <laughs> assistance. Oh, Good times. Great. So with that little fun tidbit of my life out of the way, bonus story for everybody. We're going to be talking about some fairy tales in Russia that kind of revolve around wintertime. And 
I was going to like start off the podcast by saying like there's more to Russian like fairy tales than the Baba Yaga, but she actually will probably come up in this episode <laughs> relating to Christmas time. And you know what? It just it can't be helped. <laughs> the Baba Yaga is coming. She's going to steal your presents. <laughs> So Jeff is going to start us off with a tale that if you listen to the last podcast that we did, the tale type might seem familiar to you. So Katrina sent me these two versions of a story that's kind of about like the Jack Frost figure or like the Father Frost figure in Russia, kind of an equivalent figure, I guess, equivalent personage. And uh I guess you probably – one of them is just called like Father Frost and the other one is called Morosko. So, you could probably fa- find it under, you know, one of those things like Father Frost, Russian fairy tale, whatever. Anyway, so the story starts, once there lived a man whose wife died because what fairy tale story would it be if, if it someone didn't, didn't – if it didn't begin in death? Yeah. All good fairy tales start with like someone's parents are dead, just like Disney movies. Exactly. So there's a man whose wife died and leaving him to care for their young daughter. So as time's going on, you know, he's getting lonely. He thinks that his daughter might be getting lonely. So he's like, you know what I got to do? I got to get a new wife, preferably one that has a daughter of her own so they can be best friends and have someone to play with. And we'll be, you know, just like a happy family. So he did just that. He married a woman who had a daughter of her own and pretty soon realized that he had made a terrible mistake this woman that he married was like super bad tempered he she hated his daughter which sounds kind of familiar to other stories that we've heard (laughs) it's like i've never never heard this before what an evil stepmother stepmother hates her new children (laughs) and one of the one of the versions of the story that katrina sent me as well is even time it was like and as we all know stepmothers hate their stepchildren and so she made her work hard chopping wood feeding pigs scrubbing the floor you know she probably had to clean the chimney too and so while the stepmother made this, you know, the old man's daughter do all this work, he let she let her own daughter, who she actually cared for, just, you know, lay in bed all day, eating cake, being lazy. And, you know, if the daughter, if, you know, the old man's daughter or the old man complained, the stepmother would like throw pots and pans at them and just like, you know, cause chaos. So they were all afraid to speak their mind. That woman is toxic. She really is. So, one winter morning, the stepmother was like, you know what? It's time for this girl to get married. I guess she just had gotten sick of this girl, which I don't know why, because she's like the only one in the house that's like doing any chores, but she's basically sending her off to get married, aka she says to the old man, take a sleigh, take this girl out into the forest and leave her by a tall pine tree, which is basically like, take this girl out into the forest and leave her to freeze to death. It's like, who's going to do your chores, lady? She wasn't thinking ahead. (laughs) Anyway. That's the only reason to keep your stepchild alive. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Now you're going to have to do all this cleaning and all you have is this lazy daughter. Lazy, fat, cake-eating daughter. But, you know, the the old man and that daughter were too afraid to say anything. So, they're like, well... I guess we're going to just have to do what she says. So the stepmother like watched them right away and she was like, goodbye and good riddance. And so, you know, the girl and the father rode deep into the forest. And when they came to the tall pine, the father was like, you know, he couldn't, 
like hardly bear to leave her there. But he, but the girl was like, you know what, dad, don't be sad. Just hurry home or else she's, she's going to, you're going to get even more trouble for not doing what she told if she thinks that you didn't do what she, she told you to do. So when he'd gone, she sat there on a tree and she was just really, really, really cold as you would be in the middle of this like freezing forest. Russian, Russian winter. <laughs> in the Russian winter. But as she was there, you know, sh- shivering in the cold, she heard these footsteps coming through the trees and she saw in the distance this like glittering figure with like a big white beard. And as it came closer, the trees around him as as he was passing started like getting, you know, glittered over with frost. And there it was. It was Father Frost who was showering all the trees with snow and icicles and so he stops and saw her and he's like oh are you warm little girl he asked her and she was like oh yes i'm warm she said even though she was like shivering like her teeth teeth chattering together so he stepped closer towards her you know bringing like his cold presence even closer and like making her like feet start to get really cold and he's like he's like are you warm little red cheeks he said and <laughs> she's like yes i'm still warm she said even though she's losing like all feeling in her toes and fingers and like extremities and so he steps closer still and now it's like snowing around her he's like are you still warm little blue lips cuz her lips are like turned blue because she's just so freezing and even though she was like struggling to speak and it said like you know, each breath was like stabbing needles into her lung. She was like, yes, I'm I'm warm enough. And then he saw that how brave she was and he took pity on her. So, she wrapped her in a cloak and warm blankets. And meanwhile, back at home, her father was like, he could not sleep because he was like, I've left my daughter out there to die. She's going to freeze to death. So, in at dawn, he gets up and he rides back out into the forest, fearing that he's going to come back and see that his daughter has just like frozen to death overnight. But to his surprise and joy, he saw that she was sitting there very much alive, dressed in like a nice fur coat and cloak, keeping nice and warm. And not only that, she had like a chest of like treasure and presence at her feet. And so the father goes and brings her back. And when They come back, the stepmother is just like furious because A, this girl's not dead and B, she's coming back with all these presents. But then she's like, oh, you know what? If this little girl's going to get presents, you know who really deserves presents? My daughter, who's lazy and does nothing. So she's like, do you know know who really deserves it? (laughs) This child is very entitled. She's like, okay, you know what we're going to do? It's like, now you're going to take my daughter into the forest and you're going to leave her there. And so, you know, the little girl goes to the forest, the the stepmother's daughter, and so leaves her at the tree. And she's sitting there patiently. No, not patiently waiting, but like she's sitting there waiting, anticipating what's going to happen. And next thing you know, it says to she sits there eating cake like she freaking always does. You can't wait for Father Frost without your <laughs> handful of cake. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, next thing you know, Father Frost appears and he stops and he sees this little girl at the pine tree. And she's like, are you warm, little girl? And she's like, of course not. It's freaking freezing out here. Why don't you give me a cloak already? And so he steps closer. He's like, are you warm, little red cheeks? And she's like, uh, no, like I don't have the proper boots, gloves. I don't have the stuff that I need. And he steps closer. He's like, are you cold? And she's like, no, are you deaf? He's like, just give me my presents and blah, 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 blah. 
And so she's, you know, she's acting like the entitled, entitled little girl that she is. And when Father Frost sees that and sees how greedy she is, he raises his staff and cut to the next morning. The stepmother is getting super stoked because she's like, I'm going to go back and find my daughter with a nice coat and all these presents. So she rides out into the forest and finds her daughter frozen to death. A, gr- a little girl popsicle <laughs> wrapped in a cloak of frost with nothing but a box of pine needles at her feet. And the woman, the stepmother, like hugged her daughter. But the daughter was so cold by this point that not only had, had the, did the daughter die, but the f- coldness from the daughter killed the stepmother as well. <laughs> the end. Happy Russian winter. <laughs> the thing that was crazy to me about this story... And I think anyone who's listened to our last episode will immediately recognize like the similarities between the Mother Holly story in that there's like the two girls, the stepmother that makes the one work really hard all the time. And like the whole thing of like going back and because of some aspect of the first girl's character being rewarded with gifts and presents and then the other one being sent in purposefully to get those things and it not turning out quite like they had hoped. It's like... This whole structure is like right there. So I'm really interested to hear yeah. more about, you know, because this is obviously a thing. Yeah. So this is this is a tale type, um, just the 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 good child and the bad child. And it's um I think it's usually girls. And this tale type, they think, is normally used to teach girls what is expected of them, um, what qualities are the most important that will be rewarded versus those that won't. So what's interesting about the Mother Holly episode, if people go back and listen, is that since Mother Holly was this German goddess who was known for rewarding people who were good at working hard, especially in the like family sphere, the kind of homemaking sphere of like spinning and taking care of like a household. And so those are the tasks that Mother Holly in that story is having these girls do. While in this story that's supposed to teach girls like how to be, the only thing that Father Frost is requiring of them is for them to not complain. Mm -hmm. Because even though the story says like, oh, one daughter is very hardworking and the other one is like lazy. That doesn't come up with Father Frost. Father right. Frost was not concerned about that. He wanted to see like... He just cared that you didn't complain. Yeah, that you didn't complain that you just, you know, sucked it up and were like, no, I'm going to take it. Like, no matter yeah. how much it hurts, like, I'm going to take it. It is interesting, too, like, when you when you say that, because in the other version of the story, I kind of, like, based my retelling on the one that stuck better in my brain. Um, but there's some other details in the other one and the other one being Morosco was it talked, there was like a talking dog in that one that specifically talked about how, you know, when they left the first daughter in the woods, the dog was like, woof, woof, the old man's daughter is going to come back in silver and gold and your daughter will leave suitors cold or whatever. So it specifically <laughs> talks about, the potential of, yeah. you know, her getting married or whatever. So, like, the one daughter who is industrious and doesn't complain is going to come back with all these presents. And your daughter is, you know, not going to be suitable to Future lovers. Married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I thought that was interesting. 
That is interesting that the the one the version that you're talking about is one that I actually picked up in Russia. I got a Russian fairy tale book and that's the the version that you're talking about with like that dog and the talking dog. And that the talking dog brings up marriage, like it kind of brings mar- future marriage like into the conversation. Exactly. It makes it like more explicitly stated. Like you start going into talking about how how women should be. Exactly. Like so they should be like industrious and not complain and do like the household work. That being kind of a common trope in the mother Holly one as well yeah. as as in this one. Yeah. So yeah, there are some fairy tales that are like for entertainment and then there are some fairy tales that are meant to kind of teach a lesson to the listeners and scholars think that like this tale type of the the good daughter and the bad daughter that it is to teach a lesson and so it is interesting to compare the two stories both from the last episode and this one of what is being expected of like the good daughter and then it would be interesting to like play with it play with like that tail type today and see like what people come up with for like what they think would be like labeled as good right and labeled as like bad and like punishable yeah like what would be like the disney movie version of this it, you know if it were made today into a disney movie they would find a way to make it relevant to a modern yeah. audience like and what would they pick to be those things i hope it would be something like like kindness versus being like mean and petty like that's those yeah. I'm, I'm like when i think of like qualities that i think are just universally good or like wanted it's like someone who's kind and you'll see that in some like stories also where if a person is kind, especially to animals, yeah. then the animal is like more likely to like help them out, and so yeah, I don't and know. So you see that in you see that in Cinderella, which this obviously has lots of parallels to. It to, does, yeah. You know, as well, where it's got the stepmother that's making the stepdaughter do all the crazy, you know, all the chores and all the housework and whatever. But a big thing of that is like you know, Cinderella was told by her mother to always be kind. And that's one of the yeah. reasons why she was, you know, rewarded in the end. Yeah, was for her kindness. And it's it was interesting to me too. Again, that's just, just a similarity between you know Mother Holly and this. Like Russia and Germany are like close, but also not close, especially depending on what part of Russia. So it's yeah. just like you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's like how is there any kind of theories about where this tail type originated and how it started to spread or i would have to look back like and see but it actually because it's interesting that you brought up that there's similarities to cinderella because in the middle east there is actually a what's considered a cinderella story but inside of the cinderella story there's also a part where the daughter descends down into a well and meets a magical oh, woman that's like down in there. And it's the same thing when she comes up, then one of her stepsisters like goes, goes down. Back down. And so wow. in the Middle East, there's actually like a hybrid story that's a Cinderella and a good daughter, bad daughter tail type. Yeah. And so, wow. so it may be like kind of like an offshoot of just a Cinderella story kind of like another version of that that spread because we know we talked about in the cinderella episode how that spread like throughout the whole world yeah and not even just spread but somehow in completely unrelated ways sprung up very similar stories yeah 
and just lots of different places. And so, um, so the way that it got to Russia would be probably like the same way Cinderella got from like Greece that has like the oldest version all the, of Cinderella yeah. to Russia. So like the same way that Cinderella traveled, it's the same way that like this one probably traveled and it's probably just as old. You know, aside from even just the Cinderella-ness of it is like the winterness of it because there is the obvious fact that Unlike in the Mother Holly one, which was kind of had a very slight winter element to it. Like this one is very like explicitly winter. Like this otherworldly land that they're traveling traveling into is just like the very cold wintry woods where they come into this like, you know, Father Frost kind of figure. Yeah. And so you start seeing the kind of like old winter mythologies the same way that they kind of pop up like in Germany they pop up like in Russia too where if you have like kind of this old because Father Frost isn't a like a religious figure so it's more of the like just a native mythology figure so an old world mythology like figure starting to come up and then incorporate itself into fairy tales so instead of that person kind of staying in that mythology, now they're being used as a character inside of a tale. And when it comes to making kind of newer fairy tales, what all people have to do really is take some of these older elements that people are familiar with and mix them in. The holidays are just around the corner. And what better way to celebrate than with Mr. G's Pizza? Santa is sick of cookies and milk. Instead, treat him to a plate of savory chicken wings and a slice of cheese pizza. While you're there, if you happen to see a hideous creature with curly horns and sharp yellow fangs, don't you worry, it's not Krampus. That's just Andy. He'll be your server this evening. And he'll be delivering delicious goodies to your table Thursday through Saturday in scenic Joseph City, Arizona at Mr. G's Pizza. There is a Russian tale of the Snow Maiden that is actually not very old. The farthest they can trace it back is like 1869, which... Oh, wow. 1869, in fairy tale terms, that's not old at all. Yeah. Especially when you consider... Yeah, we talk about like the, the Brothers Grimm, you know, that being like 1820s when they recorded it. But even then, it was like well known that these are stories that have been around for a long time yeah before that and it was just then that they were being recorded so it's like it is the joke of a podcast about our relative oldness of things and newness of things but you know that is pretty new for as far as fairy tales and folk tales are concerned yeah like as far as fairy tales go and characters that especially like the the snow maiden we'll talk about in a minute like she has become like an important part of their winter festivities and so considering that the first time she kind of shows up in any stories is in 1869 like it's pretty incredible that she like has as much influence fairy tale wise in the area that she actually does so there are a bunch of like kind of little stories about her that people took and either made into like little small children's stories to be published or turn them into ballets. And 
So she's called the Snow Maiden in English. In Russian, it's a name that I'm going to butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so her name in Russian is Snagurika. So one of the stories that is told is that there was once an old woodcutter and his wife who really wanted a child. Again, familiar story element. <laughs> so there's an old woodcutter and his wife, and they really, really want a child, and they weren't able to have a child of their own. And in the middle of the winter, the wife went out into the first snow of the year, and she made herself a child out of snow. And when she was done making the little snow child, she put her arms around it and she just started to sob and cry deeply because Aww. her heart was broken because she wanted a child of her own. And her warm embrace and her tears caused the snow child to turn into a real little girl. The mother Aww. loved that baby so much it became real. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Don't get too attached. So, the The woodcutter and his wife, they were so happy to have this child who was just sweet and beautiful and just radiated love. And the sweet child was able to make lots of friends in the village and was like, went to school with them and had like a good time with them. And it was wonderful. And on St. John's Day, which I looked it up because I was like, how long was this child like alive? <laughs> yeah. So St. John's Day is in June. So she actually oh, wow. like, so she had friends was going to school for like, you know, at least like six months or something. If I'm saying like, if December to. Yeah, December to June. So it's St. John's Day. And what they do on St. John's Day is they will light big bonfires. Uh-huh. And so on St. John's Day, they the other children invited her to come into the woods with them to play this game where they would jump over a small bonfire and like sing children's songs and leap over like the bonfire. And it looked like <laughs> lots of fun and all the other kids were doing it. And so yeah. the snow child watched as all of her friends leapt over the flames and then it was her Uh turn and she leapt over the flames and when she got to like the highest point of her jump over the bonfire she instantly turned poof into a puff of steam oh no the end jeez i know i was like russia why Uh, what (laughs) and that's the end too though like yeah, so that's the end of a version of the story. Oh, uh, gotcha. Because other people have kind of taken the story and been completely unsatisfied with that ending. Uh, Ob- rightly so. Obviously. I'm, I'm <laughs> upset. We're all upset. <laughs> that's when you're like, you're like, oh, the snow child, that's so beautiful. I'm like, don't get attached to this kid. Yeah, it's like if Olaf had actually melted at that fireplace, <laughs> you know, and frozen. We're like, no. Some people are worth melting for, like, but not now. But just having fun and jumping over a bonfire, not, what, not quite worth, as it. worth it. <laughs> it's a story about peer pressure. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> maybe no, it's not. So, other versions of this story, I think one that was actually like a, a ballet is that this 
spring beauty or like the personification of like spring. So like a springtime nymph goddess, something like that. Yeah. Her and Jack Frost fell in love with each other and they had a baby that was Snagurica. Oh. And so it was this little snow child and she was immortal just like her parents, but she wanted to be human because her heart was cold and made of ice, but she wanted yeah. to like, she wanted to feel love, but she was unable to feel love. So she wished that she could be mortal like other and not like her parents or not like her dad, Jack Frost, because that's right where she got the cold heart from, I would assume. That's how genetics work, <laughs> mythology speaking, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> she got her beauty from her springtime mother and her fertility from her springtime mother, but a cold heart from her dad. That's That's genetics for you. So she wished that she could feel real love because she could see how other people were so happy falling in love and being with other people. And so she went to her mother and asked her mother to help her by unfreezing her heart. And so her mother wanted her to have that that love in her life and all those good things. And so she unfroze her daughter's heart and the strength of the love that went into Snagurica's heart, it turned her into a puff of smoke and she died. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was rude. Okay. (laughs) One more. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's actually a version of that story. Hold before we go on too. So when you said like, it's not. I was just wondering, like, so when you go back and you talk about like Jack Frost, is that like Jack Frost, like Father Frost, Morosco from the other story that I yes, told? Yes, supposedly? yes, it's Father Frost from like the other story. And so again, you see an element where they're taking right. something like a that's known character, old, yeah, a known character, something old, something that predates the story, and right, adding and like it so that it has it more of a like a legitimacy to it. Yeah. Like uh, if a real if a real folklore character is in it, then this is obviously like a real yeah. <laughs> you can convince people that like it's it's older and has a better pedigree than maybe it does. Right. And they can be like, oh, this is a classic Russian tale that we're performing through ballet or that we're selling at a store, and it it's hard to tell if it ever originated from like an oral tradition, right? Or if Somebody, because it it could have been like an oral tradition that people had like in their family that they were telling or in their area that they were telling. And then somebody heard it and wrote it down and turned it into something. But it's hard with the oral tales to kind of tell at what point they became. Yeah. You know, somebody was like the first one to tell an element of the story that became the story that it is. Yeah. Through an oral tradition, you know. Yeah, exactly. But you can can never go back because that's part of the thing because it wasn't written down. Yeah. So it's like you can't know how old it is. You just kind of can tell when the earliest it was written down was. And then if stories have been written down for a very, very long time, and this one never was until recently, you kind of have to assume that it wasn't written down until recently because it didn't exist until recently. Yeah. But that gets complicated too. 
because literacy and valuing literature developed in different places at different times, even, even inside of Europe. And we are actually going to talk about that later because bizarrely Snagurica is going to get us to talking about other like Russian things. So another version of this story I just told you about the spring beauty and Jack Frost, like having this love child that when she went to her mother and was like, I want to have my heart unfrozen so that I can feel love. Her mother is able to unfreeze her heart by turning her into a mortal so that she has a mortal heart. So now she's not immortal like her parents, but she's then able to find somebody to love and marry. And she lives happily with this person and is able to just kind of be this beautiful winter character like beauty. Yeah. That's a, it's a happy ending for you. <laughs> Finally. I'm like, and then she dies. Like, no, <laughs> why is this happening? Like, cause we're in Russia. Me throwing shade at Russia. Maybe cut out all the parts where I throw shade at Russia. <laughs> They're like, we should have arrested her when we you, had the chance. You already can't return. It's fine. <laughs> like you can't go back. You committed a crime. So what's really interesting to me about Snagurica, even though she has this very like recent pedigree, Mm -hmm. she now at Russian parties, she will show up with their dead Morzo character, their grandfather Frost. So instead of Jack Frost, this is a kind of a different character. It's, Mm -hmm. It's Grandfather Frost. She'll show up with him. And I was wondering, oh, there must be a tale of them together or a reason why they're together. And so, you know, I went searching to find out what what fairy tale they show up in together that makes them granddaughter and grandfather. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out that there is no such story but there is a story of the Soviet Union. <laughs> I can and, hear the music playing right now. <laughs> so when the Soviet Union was formed, when it started, Christmas was banned because it's a religious holiday and they were trying to remove all like just religious Um, like affiliations and so christmas was banned celebrating religious holidays was banned and it was actually banned until 1991 oh my gosh yeah i know i mean i guess that makes sense because it was like that was kind of around you know the fall of the soviet union or whatever but still it's like shocking yeah yeah anytime it's like history is that recent because i'm like oh this happened recently but it's still like 200 years ago this was something when i was even alive. <laughs> yeah. But people were allowed to celebrate New Year's and New Year's Eve because that was not connected to a religion. That's just how the calendar works. <laughs> <laughs> and also, as we'll see, because in the last episode, we kind of talked about what happens when 
Christianity or any religion starts pushing up against an already existing like mythology and it it right. it forces it to morph. Yeah. The opposite is true too. Whenever like a government comes in or some other military or something comes in and bans people from doing something, they might stop doing it the way that they used to. But they start. But they'll, they'll just keep, adapt it in yeah, a way that's conforming to the rules. But exactly, they'll keep it the same way. And so, what started to happen was that people would have New Year's Eve parties or New Year's Day parties, and they still wanted like a Santa Claus type figure. They still wanted like a Christmas guy passing out presents. Yeah. Because that's fun and awesome and yeah. part of every kid's, like, childhood in, like, <laughs> the world that has, like, a Santa Claus figure. So they, they weren't about to just, like, ditch all of their traditions just because their government said so. Especially the ones that are just fun. Yeah. And so what they did was they were like, well, we don't have a, a Father Christmas or, like, a Saint Nicholas. We have... Dead Morzo. Dead is how you pronounce the D E D, like his name. It's I just want people to know I'm not. He's not like like, a zombie or anything. Yeah, he's not a zombie. He's not a white walker. (laughs) Yeah, he's not a white walker. Dead Morzo is his like title. And that's is it Dead Moros? Dead Moros. Yes. So Dead Moros or Grandfather Frost. They wanted to keep him, and so they were like, well, he's not Christmas-affiliated. He's wintertime-affiliated. <laughs> they they kind of, like, went back to a time that was, like, some more, like, pagan characters, more of, like, an early mythology character. They, like, were like, yeah. no, this is Grandfather it's Frost. Not Chris- <laughs> it's not Christmas. <laughs> He's a non-denominational winter fellow. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were allowed to have him show up at their New Year's parties to like pass out presents. And normally he was being accompanied by a nicely dressed woman, a woman wearing kind of like traditional Russian clothes, but usually like a, like a white and blue. So mm-hmm. she would be there to pass out presents with him, kind of like an elf. Yeah. Or because how it used to be, it used to be like an angel. Uh-huh. But they couldn't have angels because of religion. <laughs> so they're like, uh. So this woman was like showing up and kids were like, oh, who is she? And people would say like, oh, that's Nagurika. That's the snow maiden. And they're like, well, why is the snow maiden walking around with Grandfather Frost? And they're like, because it's his granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> and kids were like, that all makes sense. Of course, he would be passing out presents like with his granddaughter. He's Grandfather Frost. And his snow child, like this snow child is his granddaughter this all clearly makes sense we're going to keep repeating this <laughs> over and over and now like it's true just a thing <laughs> yeah it's like just a thing and so these two characters they'll they'll come in together and they'll kind of tell the children like 
have you guys been good kids? Were you very nice kids? And they're like, yes, we were wonderful. They pass out presents. And then some parties or some households, they'll have like the Baba Yaga come in. I told you we'd get to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have like a, somebody like dressed up like the Baba Yaga, like coming in and she's coming in to like try to steal their presents from them. Oh, man. And then somehow, and I'm like, I wish I had like a video of this or something. Cause I'm like, no, no, I want to be yeah. able to visualize it completely. Like how it is <laughs> when it happens, when like this Baba Yaga comes into this room and she's trying to steal the presents because then grandfather Frost and Snagurika like fight the Baba Yaga and get her away from the children and the children's toys, which I I'm like, I want to watch that fight. I want to see it happen. I'm like, what, how does that play out in somebody's house? Russia also experienced the exact same thing that we talked about. Like in Austria, when after world war two, they were trying to establish who they were as like a country and it happened yeah. in Russia kind of in a different way and like earlier because it was basically the start of like the Soviet Union. They were trying to create a sense of like national pride and like and isolationism and like who are we as our group? What makes us special? What are our stories? What is like the stuff that we have? And even though people will think of fairy tales as like frivolous, silly. When a country is trying to establish this like sense of national pride and like national identity, they always seem to go back to fairy tales into like gathering up their fairy tales. It's just, you know, a clear example of nationalist antiquarianism at work, Katrina. You are, you're absolutely right. (laughs) And clearly brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, I can tell that you've really been digging into your Oxford companion to fairy tales. Or somebody told me that I needed to say that. (laughs) So in Russia, the gathering up of the fairy tales that happened at different stages, because you had a stage where the Soviet Union started and they kind of went through everything and were kind of like, okay, what's approved material? What's not approved material. And one of the last places that they kind of looked to kind of get rid of stuff was in fairy tales. Cause I was like, those are for children. Like it doesn't like totally matter like what children are reading. They cared more about what adults like were reading, but that also turned into authors knowing that they could write commentary on they could write commentary on the government using the guise of fairy tales and pretending like what they were writing was for a child audience. And it wasn't being as strictly controlled as what they were writing for an adult audience. Uh And so they could get away with doing things kind of satirically or even sticking in subversive elements, like having artists and musicians and was it painters So artists, musicians, and painters as magical characters. And so they were kind of sneaking in these like little elements to undercut what the government was doing. And nobody was like really paying attention. There was Russian people sticking it to the man. Yep. One thing that I thought was funny, there was a person who actually, he 
did a Russian version of The Emperor's New Clothes. And that one was apparently banned because it was a little too obvious <laughs> what it was talking about. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, anytime... Well, what's funny is anytime, especially like on the meme account, when I make a meme referring to The Emperor's New Clothes, uh-huh. I always get comments from people about other political figures that irritate them or that yeah, like, they're yeah. like angry at. So I think it's funny because it is like that one's a little too on the nose when you're making fun of the government to be like, yeah. look at this really stupid emperor. It's like, okay, tone it down though, because you're not being sneaky. Uh, but this, uh, the practice of uh, reading between the lines of what was being talked about in like a theatrical performance or in like a children's book, it actually started to become known as a Sopian language. Like there became like a term for it to describe kind of sneaking things in under the, like under the radar of the guise of something innocent, teaching a bigger lesson with a simple story. So it started to be called using a Sopian language and I thought that was interesting because one of our first episodes was talking about Aesop and yeah. the importance that those had in a battle situation and in like right. a wartime and situation. And like political. Yes, in a political yeah. way. And then we see again like people kind of using those same tactics of talking about something without directly talking about it so that they can get away with it. And there was that that total line drawn between like how Aesop was doing it, how those tales were used and what the people in Russia were trying to do under the Soviet Union. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, because, you know, it doesn't just happen in, you know, places with like repressive government control over the things that you can say and whatnot. It's like, that's like just a a matter of art. In some ways, you know, like where you're making something like lots of cartoons, especially these days are like that. It's just kind of like a very sophisticated way to go about making art, like making it something that is entertaining, but also has these elements that are saying something. And it might be something that's like, I don't know, it's not necessarily that they're trying to be sneaky about it or anything like that, but it's like trying to give you your, what's the expression? Giving you uh, sugar with your medicine. Yeah, giving you sugar with your medicine or, or whatever. Honey like with your medicine. medicine, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you're being entertained, but also you're learning an important, like, lesson about something that the artist thinks is important, you know? Yeah. It just becomes more important when you don't have other ways to express it. Like, in a world where we have freedom of speech, where we can just outright say ideas and things like that. Yeah. You know, we're also obsessed with being entertained. So maybe that's the only way that we can get exposed to some of these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The only way we can be exposed, like if you can do it in a in way an that will actually pay way. attention, yeah, yeah. Like I want to learn about this, but I also don't want to be bored. Now that there is more freedom coming out from under that, the Russian people did kind of have this revival of wanting to create their national pride again by being like, okay, what makes us Russian? What like makes us special? And there was this really old mythology that grandfather frost's house was actually like in this place in russia which 
That sounds legit. I think it's funny that when I was a child, I was told like Santa Claus lives up at the North Pole because that was like the farthest, coldest place. And so a kid couldn't be like, it's like, oh, we can't go there. Yeah. But like in Russia, they're like, no, no, he's down the street. (laughs) It's like, he just lives. So we basically live at the North Pole. Yeah. They're like, we already live at the North Pole. So like he basically, he's just right over there. And so in Russia in 1999, they actually built this giant house where they said that Grandfather Frost, like, lived. It's this massive, like, mansion, and there's a guy there who's Grandfather Frost, and people can go there on tours. And there's actually uh, something called Advent Tourism, where people during, Uh like, Christmas time and winter time are traveling, and one of the big travel destinations now that people want to go to is to Grandfather Frost or Santa Claus's house, up in Russia. <laughs> and that's something that's that, hilarious. that you know, when they were going, what makes us uniquely Russian? Like, what is it about like our nationality that we take pride in? And they were like, Santa Claus, he lives right over there. Like, they're like, oh, <laughs> Grandfather Frost, we have him. We're going to build a house for him. And people can come and vacation here and look at all this stuff. And I think what's interesting, especially once we start looking at similar tale types And kind of repeated themes that we've seen before. And like we've talked about today, where it was like the, the good daughter and the bad daughter. And, and also the woodcutter and his wife who really wanted to have a baby, but couldn't. And then had one miraculously, you know, that's just like Momotaro. Yeah. And so we're seeing these like repeat and it's so interesting to me to see, how each culture plays on different things, how it brings out what's most important, whether it's that like people are working hard and industrious or whether it's that they don't complain. The more that you look at tales from places around the world and you'll see tale types that are similar, but you'll see how each culture does them in their different way. And you can see why they get used, why fairy tales are used to create a national identity. You've been listening to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a review and share with your friends. For more fairy tale content, head over to thefairytellers.wordpress.com for lighthearted retellings, or follow us on Instagram for daily fairy tale memes at the fairy underscore tellers, or even join the conversation on our Facebook page. Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music and Clarice Inch for our artwork. This episode contains additional music from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. Check him out at Incompetech.com. May you have warm words on a cold evening, a full moon on a dark night, and a smooth road all the way to your door. An Irish blessing. So the snow cutter and his wife, they were so happy to have this new child. She was. Did you say snow cutter? Wood cutter. When did I sna- snow I think child? You said snow cutter. Snow cutter. I think you just said the snow cutter and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
That's hilarious. And I was like, what? And you're like, no. What's a snow cutter? The snow cutter. It's like in Frozen when they're like cutting yeah. the ice. Cut the, which is, I always forget about that part when I watch the movie. I'm like, what movie is this that it starts with these people cutting ice? Dude, what's crazy is that I bought my version of it in Thailand. And so usually what happens when I start the DVD is I'll forget to change the language. <laughs> and English, so, so yeah. Like... <laughs> and so I forget about that part. And so when it comes on, it's like this heavy Thai chanting. For no reason. <laughs> and it's like terrifying just because it's totally not what I was expecting was this yeah. like, like really harsh, like sounding song being like yelled out in Thai language. <laughs> and so then I'm like, oh, right. And I have to like grab the remote and change like the like in- the language input. That's funny. Um, anyway. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So this note, <laughs> I was going to do it again. 